Well, we're going to say, we're going to talk about praying in the Psalms this morning, but before we get there, we're going to go on a bit of a journey of prayer. Um, a lot of it has come out of a book that I, uh, I read over the, uh, the Christmas period. I think there should be a slide popping up uh, called The Life of Prayer. Um, and just want to recommend it as a fantastic a praying life, uh, a fantastic book, really. I don't know what your experience is of prayer, whether uh, you've never really prayed. Perhaps you're a new believer or just exploring Christianity. You've never really prayed and think, am I doing it right? Or how does it work? Or how do I grow in my prayer life? And I want to say, wherever you're at in, in that journey of, uh, of following Jesus, this book is outstanding. It can help you. It's practical. I think it's a stunning, stunning book. Very, very readable. So uh, look out for that and find it online. It's very, very, very readable, very easy to read, but a stunning book that, I say, as I read it over the, the, the holiday season, has just, just changed the way I think about prayer, changed the way I, I pray, and uh, a lot of what I want to share this morning will be coming, uh, coming from that. But maybe your experience of prayer is that you just, you just don't know how to, or, or maybe you, you've prayed for things and it's, it's just not worked. It's been a disappointing experience. Maybe it's been a frustrating experience. Um, perhaps it can make you feel, feel guilty, you know, if you're not praying enough, or, or as you pray and, and reflect, you just feel a sense of guilt and shame. Um, maybe you end up making it about you. It's kind of just shopping list prayers, you know, and it's just, it's just praying about, I need this, help me with this, and it's just kind of very, very me, self-centered. Maybe in the disappointment, you found that it uncovers your doubts, you know, kind of, does God, if, does, is God hearing me? Does he really exist? It, maybe you even just feel like it's a waste of time. Just wasted, you know, wasted time praying when I could have been solving the problem myself. And I think, in honesty, all of us can probably identify at some point in time with some of those, some of those things, some of those emotions, some of those feelings on prayer. Maybe you just don't know how to pray. You're struggling to pray, and you're struggling to do life. Well, we're going to go on a bit of a journey of prayer this morning. And uh, four points. First one, how we pray without pretense, and we're to come as we are to a person. Begin with where you are. Yeah, You don't need to, to clean ourselves up or sort ourselves out. We can go to God as we are. The real us can meet the real God. Yeah, The real you and me in all our, uh, our mixed confusion of emotions and, and sin and all of the stuff going on in our, in our lives and our hearts and our busyness can meet the real God wherever we are. We don't somehow have to... Uh, prepare ourselves or anything like we can just come as we are that is the invitation to pray we get to come as as we are without masks we can come and just have a conversation with god one of the descriptions i've used before i don't know who it was by it was is that prayer is keeping company with god keeping company with god we can come as we are and keep company with god and we come to a person who calls us friends he calls us friends. Do you know that? You and me, if we, if we know and follow Jesus, we're called friends. Friends of God. How incredible is that? that? That we are friends with the creator God because of what Jesus did on the cross. We get to approach him as friends, come as we are, and keep company with God. That's what prayer is, keeping company with God. He loves it. He loves real people. He loves it when we come as we are. And he loves it when we come as children. When, uh, at some point last year, um, in the autumn, I, we went as a family to, to Southwold uh, for the day, 
day out by the, by the sea and by the beach. And one of the things we love doing is, or I love doing, is going for fish and chips. And so I left Natalie with the, I didn't go on my own, I left Natalie with the kids and uh, went off to go and buy some fish and chips, knowing there'd be a bit of a queue because it's that kind of place. Uh, and you know, you know the shop who's been to Southwold, you know, kind of just off on the high street and always a queue. And so I went there at lunchtime and there was a long queue. I mean, and then even when you've queued and paid, you get a ticket and then you have to wait for your number to be called. And then, you know, it's not a quick in and out like it might be around the city. You know, it's a long 20, 30, 40 minute experience before you get your fish and chips. So I queued for ages. I finally got to the, the front of the queue and two fish and chips, you know, just Natalie and I. Um, and uh, I, the bill came. And I was in my mind thinking, you know, fish and chips is the cheap meal, right? I was thinking it would be like 10, 15, yeah, 10, 15 pounds. 26 pounds later, yeah, and I'd, nothing else, just fish and chips, but I'd already queued, so I was in too deep. I was too hungry. Too much time had gone. Uh, Natalie had been with the kids for too long, so I, I was all in too deep, so it was okay, fine. We'll, we'll not such, such a cheap dinner, so I paid for that. Walked back to the playground with the... Um, with a fish and chips, thinking Natalie and I would just enjoy fish and chips while the kids play. And you know what's coming, right? And um, sat down at a bench, and, uh, and Thea was just, uh, oh, Daddy, can I, can I have some of your, some of your chips? Yeah, okay, there's, there's a chip. Can I have some more? Can I have some more? Oh, can I have some of your fish? Can I have some of your batter? And, and, and there's these outrageous requests of my lunch that I'd queued for for ages and, and paid a small fortune for. She just... Demolished. I might add, she'd already had her lunch sometime earlier, yeah? And, and yet, there she was, just feeling the um, permission to just make these outrageous requests. Didn't really understand how much it had cost me. Uh, didn't really understand that I was therefore going hungry, and this was costing me. But she felt able to, to make these outrageous requests. And, and, and although I'm, I'm sounding like I was unhappy about it, actually, I was, there was, I was happy that she felt able to ask. Yeah? I was happy that she felt able to, to ask to make outrageous claims of me. And so there I was just feeding my uh, 13-pound fish and chips to, to, to Thea. Um, but my point is that that is how God wants us to approach him. Yeah? There was no mask. There was no pretense. It was just outrageous requests of, oh, can I have it? Can I have more? She was asking for everything. She was asking repeatedly. There wasn't a, a filter there. She was just felt able to ask her father for what she wants is. And that is how our Heavenly Father wants us to approach him. Yeah, like a child, without, for everything, repeatedly and without filter. So we're to come as we are. Um, but it begins with knowing God, knowing our weakness, knowing our needs for a saviour. That Jesus died for us on the cross, that we couldn't save ourselves, that he died on the cross for us, rose to life, and that therefore we get to be called friends of God. It starts with, me, with you and I realising that we need a saviour, realising that we, we need it and that in light of the cross we are friends of God. And when you know somebody, when you have a, a closer relationship with somebody, the, the conversation becomes more intimate, doesn't it? You know, if, we're, if, if I talk to you after the service and I don't, I've never spoken to you before or I don't really know you, our conversation is going to be very different to a conversation where, where we, we know each other very well. Yeah, if we're good friends, our conversation is going to be far more intimate. And so it starts with knowing your Heavenly Father. It starts with knowing Him, and then your prayers, your conversation can just be at a whole new depth, a whole new level, because you know who you're praying to. 
Our prayers can, our prayer time, it can meander from, when we're good friends, it can meander from, from point to point, from conversation to conversation, like talking to old friends, can't it? I say, if I was to talk to you other service and I didn't really know you, our conversation would, it would be odd if we just meandered between lots of various topics and, and things like that. But when you're intimate friends, that's what you do. You, you converse from things that, and it's listening, listening to one another. Again, if all I did as a, as a friend was just speak and didn't listen, that would be weird, wouldn't it? That wouldn't really be a friendship. But we're to listen as well, listen to what our Heavenly Father has to say for us. So we're friends. And one of the things about friends is there's, there's things in common, Right? They, they rub off on one another, don't they? And, and Jesus has already done his bit. He's already come to earth, the incarnation, became man, became like you and I. He's done his bit. And he, it rubs off on us as we get to know him. His life rubs off on us and, it, and we become like him. Hebrews 4 says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. So no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're, situation or ordeal we're in, he knows. He's, he's not unable to sympathize with our situation. We're not praying to a God who is somehow distant and unable to, to, to empathize with the situation that we're going through. We pray to a God who has, who has been there, who has suffered, who knows what it's like to be human, who knows what it's like to suffer, to be betrayed, to be let down, to be disappointed. He's not unable to empathize with us in our weakness. He knows. So that was my first point, that we're to... Keep, we're to um, come without pretense, we're to come as we are, and we come to a person. My second point is pride and priorities. Jesus says in John 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. The Greek means nothing. Yeah? <laughs> apart from me, you can do nothing. And the same is true for you and for me. Do we really realize that, that no matter how organized we are, how smart we are, how well educated we are, how capable we think ourselves, uh, how much of a high capacity person we are, that we can never do it alone. Do we really realize that? The world places so much value on, on, on people who are kind of high achievers, high capacity, who appear to have it all together. Um, and you know, The world places so much, but, but the life of the Christian is the opposite of that. It's the opposite of that. It's somebody who realises their need for God, realises they can't do it on their own. In 1 Peter chapter 5, it says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So the life of a Christian is someone who realises that none of us, not one, can do it on our own and that we need a saviour. I think the biggest hindrance in my life to praying more isn't that, um, that, that isn't time isn't that I uh, don't think it, it works. I think it's that if I'm really honest, and I suspect I'm not the only one, I think I can do a pretty good job of managing my life on my own. If I'm really honest, I think I, I can do a pretty good job of managing most things on my own. Just me? Yeah? And, and, and if I do that, then actually I'll never take prayer that seriously. Yeah? If I really think that I got this, yeah, that's the kind of the, the, the mantra in culture, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I got this. I, I can smash this. Yeah, but if I really believe, actually, no, I can't do it on my own. I'll prioritize prayer because I know, I know how how much I I cannot do it. I'll know my weakness. I know my lack. 
Is that the case for you? Is, is, our, is your sense of independence, self-reliance and pride hindering your prayer life, getting in the way of you praying? Because you think, what I need to do is spend more time working out, thinking how I'm going to resolve this problem or how I'm going to fix that or how I'm going to change that or how I'm going to achieve that instead of actually saying, no, the most important thing I can do right now is pray. Someone who realises they can't do it in the eyes of the world might be seen as quite weak. Yeah, might be seen as quite as quite weak. Oh, they 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 can't do it on their own. It might be seen as quite weak. But in the the life of faith, that is the sign of a mature believer. Yeah. You might look around and think, oh wow, look they 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 they're praying. You know, they 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 look quite spiritual. They must be quite a mature believer. But the reality that that of a mature believer is someone who's realized they can't do it alone as someone who's aware of their weaknesses and their flaws and their need for God and so it's not someone who 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 looks spiritual oh look what a mature believer they are no they've realized how desperately they need help they've realized how desperately they can't do it on their own and how desperate they are in need for God's help that's what a mature believer looks like someone who's realized they can't do it on their own someone who is aware of their weakness Because Jesus, the invitation from Jesus, isn't to a life of self-reliance. It's to a life of utter dependence upon him. Utter dependence upon him daily. Helpless dependence. And that inability, it leads to prayer and it leads to grace. It's a a wonderful, peaceful place of knowing that you can't do it on your own. Instead of striving, praying and saying, Lord, I can't do it. Now come and help me. And there's there's a wonderful place of grace and peace in doing that. I mentioned this last week when I plugged, plugged prayer, but do you know your need for prayer each day? Do you, you, you convinced of your need for prayer every day? Especially in the morning and you start the day, before the day really begins, are you aware of your need for prayer in the morning? You will do your best, I don't know how you spend your day, working, studying, raising children, family, um, friendship, husband, wife, whatever it is, you will do your best, insert blank, by praying. Not by, by striving. Of course, it requires effort to do those things. We don't just pray and then, you know, sit back and put the TV on and let the kids look after themselves. But, but you will do your best, whatever it is, by prayer. Tomorrow morning, when you're going about your day, whether it is raising a family at home, going into the office, going into university, studying... Whatever it is you have planned tomorrow, you will do your best, insert blank, by praying about it. Yeah? If you believe that, then you're, you're free from that sense of, of self-reliance and independence. And yeah, I got this, to I haven't got this. That's an illusion. I need God. I need God to help me. It doesn't mean you'll have a trouble-free day. It doesn't mean that your, your, your week won't be filled with challenges and trials. But... You will have prayed, you will have the help of your saviour with you and you you will find peace in those moments. Confident peace that no matter what I'm going to face, I've prayed about this and my father is with me. No matter what I will go through this week, he is with me. No matter what I will go go through tomorrow, he is with me. Number three, we need to resist pessimism or cynicism. I mean, that's, the, that's a, a cancer in our, in our culture, isn't it? You know, especially in kind of British culture, cynicism. Oh, well, 
that thing I prayed for, yes, it happened, but it, it probably would have happened anyway, you know? So it wasn't really about prayer. It was really because of my hard work or, uh, or the situation just, just ended up that way. It wasn't really down to God. It wasn't really down to prayer. That's just cynicism. And, and fear, it, it constrains us, doesn't it? Cynicism, it just it shuts it down. That, that childlike approach to God, that's not cynical. That's just, oh, yes, I, I need my Heavenly Father's help. So we're to resist cynicism, folks. It's so prevalent among us, isn't it, in, in society, yet we're to resist it. And the antidote to cynicism is thankfulness. Yeah? Thankfulness. So we're to cultivate thankful hearts. When, when things happen that we, that we prayed for or even didn't pray for, it's, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for that. I, I see you at work there. Not, oh, yeah, that probably happened anyway. Or, oh, I didn't pray for that, so that definitely can't be, be God working there. No, it's, it's a thankful heart. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in my life. Thank you for, for that. Thank you for this. It's cultivating a thankful heart is the antidote to cynicism. And then lastly, I want to look at, which is what I'm supposed to be preaching about, so maybe that was all the introduction. Use the Psalms. The Psalms is the prayer book in the Bible. It's the prayer book in the Bible. The Lord's Prayer teaches us how to pray. The Psalms teach us what to pray, teach us how to relate to God. Um, it's, in fact, they speak for us. If you read the Psalms, if you know the Psalms, they speak for us. There's a huge number of different situations and, and issues and, and circumstances in the Psalms that we can use to pray to our Heavenly Father. It's the prayer book in the Bible. It addresses so many of these themes and situations. And the wonderful thing about praying the Scriptures, but especially the Psalms, is it can just free the pressure from us. If you sometimes, if you're like me, you can sit down to pray and my mind can just go blank. My mind can just go blank, and, or it can be filled with all the, the things of the day that I could be doing otherwise, and, and then suddenly I'm not really praying, I'm thinking about, oh, I need to do that, and I need to empty the dishwasher, and actually that's not true, I never think about that, but um, I need to do this bit of work, or I, I need to do that. And, but praying scripture, actually, it can, it can take the pressure off. First of all, it takes the pressure off, it's not all about me, because sometimes my prayers can become just all about me, just help me with this, help me with that, change this, change that. But actually, it can, if, using the scriptures, it takes the pressure off. It roots me in, in God's word. Because sometimes when life is really, really tough, really hard, and you're feeling really churned up emotionally, or just really broken by a situation, and uh, you just barely have the strength to pray, barely let alone knowing what to pray, the Psalms can be just a, a... Prayer can be like a flare, yeah? I've heard that before. Prayer can be like a flare. You know, like in the films when uh, they're kind of, you know, maybe it's like an army film or something, a war film, and, and they're kind of stuck and isolated, and they just fire up a flare, and boom, that's it. You know, And the, the Psalms can be like that, just two or three word or verse prayers, like Psalm 61, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You know, Come and help me, I'm, I'm stuck down here. Lord, won't, won't you lead me to you? Won't you lead me out of this situation? Prayer can be a flare in those moments, when we, especially when we use Scripture. It just takes the pressure off us and teaches us how to relate to our Heavenly Father. It can turn anxiety in those moments into prayer. Turn anxiety into prayer. There's a wonderful honesty in the Psalms, isn't there? If you know the Psalms, there's a wonderful, brutal honesty, and it, almost through each Psalm, like a journey of kind of, you know, some of the beginning. I mean, I'm in despair. Everyone, my foot nearly slipped, and then, but God, but God. There's a wonderful journey and honesty in the Psalms. 
Jesus even used the Psalms to pray. Famously, on the cross, he said, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting Psalm 22. And there's these wonderful twists and turns in the Psalms. We can use Scripture to pray over people. Again, when we just don't know what to pray, we can use the Scriptures to pray over other people. And just like Jesus, he, he knew his need, need for prayer. I mentioned it last week when talking about prayer. His need to, to withdraw, his need to, to pray to his Heavenly Father. How much more, folks? How much more do we need to pray? Like Jesus, we are completely dependent. When in the midst of chaos, maybe today, maybe this week, there'll be moments or it's a season and you just find yourself in the midst of chaos, your heart just chewed up with anxiety and the problems and pressures of the world. Maybe you find yourself in a season or a day of just in the midst of chaos as your, as your heart will generate problems, and, the, and we, our hearts do, don't they? You know, we can, we can worry about something, and it can be like an onion, you know, just worry about something. Okay, yeah, what if that? Peel that back. Oh, there's another layer. Peel that. What if? What if? What if? Instead of just generating those problems, let, let me encourage, let's be generating prayers. Let's be generating prayers in our hearts. As we see a situation, we just think, I have no, no idea how this resolves itself. Let us be generating prayers. And instead of worrying, we'll go to watching our worry turns into watching. It turns into, well, I've, I've, I've prayed about that. I've, I've given that to God. I can now look at it with a confident expectation that he knows, that he cares, and that he will answer. It turns our worrying into watching. And we see this in, in, uh, in, in verses like, do not be anxious, that in the midst of worry, our heart can generate problems. We, when we generate prayer, the chaos Lessons. The situation might not go away, but the chaos lessens because it's replaced with a confidence and a peace that God is with us, that God is going to help us. We need to stop trying to control our life. How many of us spend so long trying to control our lives, to control situations, instead of bringing them to God? Yeah? This week... Um, I, I, there's been a few, just a few things. First week back, it's been busy, and uh, I, there's some situations that, that we, we've had, and it's just, you look at it, and you just think, Lord, I, I don't know what to do in this situation. And Because, again, I've said I'm quite a person, like a problem solver, I like to fix things, I like to think I can do a lot of things on my own. Um, and when you can't, it, it forces you on God. And so I've just been camping out in Psalm 25 this week. And... And initially, when, when, when the problem hit, I, I, I say, trying to figure it out myself, trying to work out what, what we're going to do, and um, not coming up with any answers. And in those moments, if I'm honest, my, my default is, um, is anesthesia. Yeah? So for me, that would look like uh, you know, anesthesia in a, in a situation of difficulty, of sorrow, would look like a beer, would look like a burger, might look like Netflix. That that would that for me is anesthetic to a situation. You know, not not huge amounts of all of those things, but enough just to just to take the edge off and think. Well, I don't know what to do in this situation, so let's reach out for some uh, some pain relief. I didn't. I thought it's a week, of, a month of prayer. I can't do that. Um, so I dived into Psalm 25, and here's just some of the things I found. It says, "In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust." And, and as I'm praying it, I'm thinking, yeah. I, 
don't feel all that trusting right now, but I'm going I'm to stick with it. It goes on. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame. It continues. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. I'm, yeah, I don't know what to do. My hope is in you all day long. It continues on. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. And so I just used the Psalms. It was as simple as that. I just read through the psalm again and again, praying it, saying, Lord, I, I, I am troubled by this situation. Would you relieve my trouble? I don't know what to do in this situation. Lord, I, I, I affirm my trust is in you. Teach me your ways. And, and we can use the psalms like that. When our hearts are troubled, when we, when we look at a situation and think, I don't know my way through, we can use the psalms and the scriptures to pray. And it helps us relate to God, and it's powerful. We can use Psalms like Psalm 73 to, to get perspective. That, and that's the one where it talks about, you know, my foot nearly slipped. And it goes on, yeah, I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. And we find ourselves just losing that perspective. We can pray Psalms like that. We can use Psalms like Psalm 77 to meditate and ponder. It says, consider all your works. Meditate on what you've done. Where we've got it wrong, we can pray Psalms like 51. Lord, wash away my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. It can be powerful, folks, to use the Psalms in this way. But it starts with coming as we are, knowing that we're coming to a person, realising our need for God, coming at him with humility, not with pride. And that will change our priorities because it's, Lord, I'm, I'm coming to you like a child. I'm coming to you as I am. Not someone who's got it all together. Not someone who can have it all together. I'm not coming in with cynicism. Oh, yeah, it's not going to work. It'll be a waste of time. But coming as we are to our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Shall we stand? And Joe, can you uh, come back up? Jesus. The point of, of this preaching series on, on prayer isn't to try and pack out our prayer meetings over January, though that would be great and I'd encourage you to do that. Actually, it's, it's that prayer shapes us. Yeah? One of the things that is that uh, the beauty of praying scripture is that it takes the pressure off us, but it also prayer changes us. Yeah, as we pray, we realize an identity of who we are in Christ. It frees the pressure up and it changes us. Not only does it change the situation that we're faced with, but it changes us in the process. It makes us more like Jesus in the process. And so the, the point of this preaching series, even this month, isn't just that we, that we pray for the month and then it's revert back as, as normal. It's that our, our, our lives, our praying lives are changed forevermore. Yeah? That as followers of Jesus, we no longer sort of settle for a, a, a subpar prayer life or whatever that is for you. But that our prayer life is something that our relationship with God is growing. It's alive. It's fresh. So I'm just going to pray for us. I want to, I feel the Lord just put on my heart that he... That thing about him, he just he wants you to just come as you are, like a child. For some, that might feel quite a daunting thing, coming to create a God. You know, he knows all about me. He, he knows my doubts, my fears. But he wants you just to come as you are. He knows everything that you've done, everything that you and I have done wrong. 
every evil thought, every wicked deed, he knows. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. But he wants us just to come as we are. In confident expectation that, that he is good, that he cares, that he understands. That he wants to meet you where you are. In whatever brokenness, whatever difficulty. There's full of that, in, there's loads of that in the Psalms. Brokenness, despair, difficulty, doubt. But he wants to lead you to the rock that is higher than I. He wants to lead you to himself. To know his peace in amongst chaos and difficult circumstances. To have your confidence in him, not in yourself. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to have a time of uh, taking communion together. And I'd love us as we do that to be, as we take the bread and the wine, it's expressing our dependence upon God. There's there's something of self-reliance among all of us that that needs to to take a bullet this morning. Yeah? That self-reliance of I've got this, I can do this, I can manage, I'm pretty capable. No matter where you are or what's going on, there's a a death to self-reliance that needs to come. A death to pride. I say, God, I need you. In all my brokenness and all my weakness, I need you. And so as we take the bread and the wine, let that be a, a, a wholehearted commitment to you. I want to die to self and I want to follow Jesus. I want to put my trust and my hope in Jesus. If you're not able to say that then, and you're not a follower of Jesus, you don't know Jesus, or you just don't feel able to say that this morning, you just think, yeah, actually, I, I'm not ready to let go of this self-reliance, then just leave the bread and the wine for others but let me encourage you let's if that's for you let's take that this morning and take him seriously at his promises so yeah I'm not going to rely on myself I'm going to put my trust in Jesus my hope my hope for this situation my hope for every situation in Jesus I'm going to pray and then Joe's going to lead us and during that song go to the back go and pray with others take the bread and the wine thank you Lord that you're with us thank you Lord that you call us friends because of your son dying on the cross, Lord God, that we get to boldly approach. We get to come as we are. I pray you'd come near to those in, in difficulty, in challenge. I pray, help us just to, to shoot down that idol this morning of self-reliance, of pride in our hearts. We want to be those who are utterly dependent upon you, Lord, who realize the power and the priority of prayer because we're utterly dependent upon you. We ask it in your name. Amen.